Angus at Work, a podcast for the profit-minded cattlemen. Brought to you by the Angus Beef Bulletin, we have news and information on health, nutrition, marketing, genetics, and management. So let's get to work, shall we? Hello and welcome to Angus at Work. I'm Casey Brown. Today's topic is not glamorous, but it does affect more areas of the country now than it has in the past, so it is an important one to discuss. Liver flukes used to be a coastal issue, but that's just not the case anymore. They haven't been found in all 50 states, but they are pretty darn close. Today's host, Shauna Hermel, sat down with Jody Wade, a technical veterinarian with Beringer Ingelheim. He explained that with the way we ship cattle now, liver flukes in other areas of the country are bound to happen. He calls them a biological time bomb. They discuss how to prevent them from affecting your operation in the long term. So, let's dig in. You know, liver flukes is one of the, probably one of the most incredible life cycles that I guess you could ever deal with as a veterinarian because they, they have to go through an intermediate host. So you, you have to have a snail involved to be able to transmit that fluke and get it through its life cycle. Uh, they go through multiple steps. The other big thing is the environment. You've got to have those moist wetlands, basically, for that snail to thrive in. And you have to have that moisture also for the Miracidia to be able to swim once those snails pass them out so that they can swim to the grass blades and actually stage themselves for cattle to pick up. So there's a lot of things that have to happen for this thing to, to, to go through the process, but it happens, and that's what's amazing. It's a, it's a miracle, I mean, it really is. So can you describe that life cycle of the Mercidia? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what happens basically is, is as cattle that are, have been infected with the fluke before, as they pass those eggs out on, onto the pasture, those eggs, once they get into this, to this moist area, they will make their way into that intermediate host, which is the snail, okay? So once they get into that snail, then they go through this whole big conglomeration of changes again. And then once those snails pass that myricidium out, hatch it out just like the, the cattle did the eggs, then that myricidium has to actually swim over and actually get into the grass blades. So that as these cattle are grazing in those moist wetlands, they're picking up that, that particular pathogen. So it's, uh, you know, it, it takes some time for it to happen. But the good part is, is there's drugs out there now where we can control part of that, that life cycle now and, and keep it from becoming infective. You bet. Now, a lot of times we consider this kind of that southern Gulf state stalker operation problem. You but bet. we're seeing it more in cow-calf. Luckily, we, we have got the blessing, I guess, from some mm-hmm. of the drug companies like Bering Green Ohio to start doing some surveillance. Okay. So we're doing fecal diagnostics now and sending it to some of the veterinary schools to actually look for the, the, the uh, liver fluke eggs, okay? And we're actually finding them. And we're finding them in places that you just couldn't imagine that they're there. Kansas, for example. You know, yeah. we, we found cat, we found some of the fluke eggs in, in Kansas just recently in three or four different locations. So we know that it's moving to different areas now. It's just doing the diagnostics and the surveillance to be able to find them. Symptoms of a cow-calf herd that might be infected, how, how might people first see a problem? That's, that's the trouble. You may not ever see it. It's so subclinical, you know. Okay. As it, tra- as it manifests itself, the disease itself, in, into cattle. Usually when we know that we've got a real liver fluke problem is when these cattle end up on a kill floor, on a slaughter floor. Okay. And we've got all kinds of livers that are being condemned just due to the prevalence of all the, the liver flukes that are there. 
So now if the liver flukes are infesting the cattle in the feedlot, then they are also causing performance issues. Oh, you bet. We think, we think they cause a lot of performance issues. We've never been able to really get a number with that now. Uh, it, it, it varies, you know, from, from place to place. But the, the biggest issue is, is it's a disease that we just assumed was going to stay down in those Gulf Coast states where we had those wetlands all the time, and now we're not. And now we're seeing it manifest itself in places that it's never been before. So how does a producer go about getting on a program to, can you ever get rid of liver flukes once you have them on your place? Management plays a big role. Okay. It really does. And grazing cattle in those wet areas certain times of the year is probably one of the biggest management things that you could fix or try to change. Uh, you know, it's amazing to me, and I'll, I'll use Florida as an example. I've, I've gone to some of those big ranches down there in certain times of the year, and you'll see those those yearlings standing out there in ankle deep water and they're grazing in grass that's knee high but it's very wet and you know that's just the prime conditions for for cattle to be picking them up we used to think that you didn't see it in in young cattle you know yes. that it was mainly older cattle that it affected what's amazing now we're seeing it in cattle less than nine months of age really and that's just it blows my mind it really does we used to say as a whole, if you're going to do diagnostic testing, looking for the fluke eggs, you know, looking for that on the fluke finder, uh, don't do anything less than nine months of age. Now we've had to change and go back and punt because that's not true. We're finding it in cattle less than nine months of age. What contributes to that? I, I think grazing in those areas, just like the moms do, you know, they're picking them up at an earlier age and it's something that we just didn't know that they were doing before. We're learning a lot about this disease that, that's changing. I mean, it really is. It's an old disease that's been around for a long time, but it's a never-ending cycle that we're beginning to learn about it. You, know? you bet. Then on top of management, what type of a protocol do you use? The, the biggest thing right now is we do have drugs that, that can treat uh, those, the liver flukes as they go through. The frustration a lot of times is, is most of the drugs that we use, they combat the adult stages of the liver fluke. And a lot of that damage is done by the juvenile stages as they migrate and, and go through the bile ducts trying to get out to the tissues. Yep. So a lot of that damage is done before we ever get treatment done, unfortunately. Can you vaccinate? Not yet. Okay. No, ma'am. That's something that some of the companies are looking at is, is there a vaccine that maybe we can try to come up with? There's been a lot of, a lot of people that's put that in the research wheel so far, but nothing's fell out. So it's management to stop the life cycle, basically. Stop the life cycle, yeah. And, and like I said, there's a lot of things that have to play a role to get there. You know, if, we, if we're in an area where we're not seeing those snail populations there to be the intermediate host, that's a blessing because we know that they can't go any further without the snail. So that's one thing. The other thing is, is you know, are, do they have that moisture? Because they, they don't do very well in dry areas. So okay. if we get droughty conditions or things like that, you know, they, they don't do too well in that and they die pretty quick. Well, that's good to have a benefit from drought, right? Well, yeah, yeah, unfortunately. Yes. <laughs> a silver lining, <laughs> <Yeah>. maybe. <laughs> All right. As you have an infestation, is it one like a perennial weed versus an annual weed? Is it something that you can, if you get a hold of that life cycle and break it, can you, can you stop it with one treatment? Yeah, I, it, it's something that you can definitely slow down. There's no doubt yeah. about that. But if those cattle are exposed later, you know, okay. in a wet condition where they can pick them up, even the more adult cattle yes they can pick it up again and go through that same that same life cycle all so over again so it's a continual one it's, it's a continual present, deal it's a continual it is. effort to try and control it is it's continual okay. so it's year to year i mean okay. it really is
So management year to year is going to play a big role in, in how this thing progresses. Okay. So is there a difference in how you approach liver flukes, whether you're stalker operation versus a cow-calf operation? You know, that, that's a good question. And one thing that we have looked at is, especially in the cow-calf operations, if we, if we can get ahead of it on the cow-calf operations, mm -hmm. keep those young animals from picking, that, picking it up before they're transferred or moved to some of these stalker operations, if they're going to pasture or dry lotted and fed, mm -hmm. whatever. If we can stop it on the cow-calf operation, then we feel like we're way ahead in that intermediate stage. Okay. You bet. So is there any way for a stalker operator background or, or a feedlot that's buying calves to test those calves prior to buying? Well, the, the fluke finder has played a role. But, okay. uh, and, and what we've done in some of these stalker operations, especially on what we would consider high-risk cattle for the liver fluke, uh -huh. we do those fecals there. And you can just get a snapshot in time. You don't have to do every animal, but if, if some of them are exposed, then you know probably most of them have been exposed. But the fluke finder is very good about being able to find, the diagnostically find those liver flukes at an early age, and that helps. Excellent, excellent. So to kind of cap things off, your biggest advice to cow-calf operation if we want to try and, and nip it in the bud, so to speak. My biggest recap would be is try to c control their environment as much as possible. I know that's hard sometimes, but if you've got grass that's knee-deep that they're grazing on in ankle-deep water, that's prime conditions for the for the intermediate host and for the, the liver fluke to, to go through that life cycle. So that would be the first one of the first things I would try to control. The other thing, if you know that you're going to have it, you know you're in an endemic area, make sure that we use products during the processing that we can try to combat that liver fluke with. Even though we're just getting some of the adult stages or the adult stages and not getting those juvenile stages, uh, we're still way ahead of the game and we can slow down some of that devastation that you see to the liver. And what types of products do work on liver flukes? Well, Corsalon is probably one of the better products that's out there for liver flukes. It does a phenomenal job. And you see a lot of Corsalon combinations. Beringer uh, okay. Ingelheim has what they call Ivermec Plus. So it has Ivermectin plus the Corsalon in there as well. But, uh, you know, there's, uh, there's multiple companies that manufacture that same product. So, but it does have Corsalon in it. Um, the other thing would be just straight Corsalon. If you can find straight Corsalon, Corsalon itself does a phenomenal job. Do you have a general price point for treatment per animal that it might people might be looking at? Surprisingly, it's it's not that bad expensive. I mean, there's not a huge cost to adding the Corsalon to some of the some of the ivermectin type products. So it really doesn't imp increase the cost a whole lot of deworming those animals with that Corsalon addition. Okay, and I would assume if you all had a calculation of that cost benefit. It pays a huge dividend, yeah. It, the ROI on it is very, very good, especially if you're in a liver fluke area. I suppose some of the ways that people could bring it onto their ranch would be purchase cattle. You bet. Purchase cattle from the Gulf Coast states was one of the biggest ones we used to bring up all the time and bringing those cattle up to your area and then you, you know then they shed those liver fluke eggs out on those pastures there and as long as environmental conditions are good you know that that life cycle can continue so How long will they shed like if you if you buy an animal from from a, that's infested how long would those cattle shed when they get to a new area i, I could i don't know okay. i couldn't answer that question i do i do know they do shed those eggs that are okay. positive sure. um but i don't know how long it could be and i think it, it may vary animal to animal on how long they could be carriers of that particular parasite okay excellent
Listeners, to get more information to help make Angus work for you, check out the Angus Beef Bulletin and Angus Beef Bulletin Extra publications. You'll find links to subscribe to both of these in our show notes. If you have questions or comments, let us know at abbeditorial at angus.org. And we'd sure appreciate it if you would rate this podcast or leave a review to tell us what you learned or what was helpful. And share this episode with any other profit-minded cattlemen. Thanks for listening. This has been Angus at Work.